Stargate Rewatch Podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 2, Episode 17, Holiday. I like this one. I did not remember this one at all. (laughs) Really? But I liked it when I rewatched it. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I do want to toss out there for those that may be watching along on the DVD. This is another one where the episodes are like out of order on the DVDs. This one and Serpent Song are switched for some reason, but we are rewatching for uh, everybody out there. We are rewatching in the original air date order. So this aired first. So that's the one we're going with first. And I, that may pop up a few more times throughout the year because I don't know why they do that, but they do. But just so everybody out there knows that's what we're doing. So, yeah. Yep. And um, so before we get into this episode, though, um, happy holidays, because SG-1 is still on Netflix. I, I, I know. How exciting is that? <laughs> I know. I don't know what happened. I don't know why I have not been able to find anything that actually has a definitive end date on it now. Um, I found one website that just referenced like through December. So I don't know if we've just sort of gotten a month reprieve, like through the end of the year. Um, But, you know, we'll keep you updated with the news as we find it. So everybody knows what's going on. But yeah. I'm going to go with um, Netflix heard about this podcast and they were were like. So it's all because of us. Yay. Thank you, Netflix. They were like, surely. The four people that are involved in this <laughs> need well, you to know, have Stargate on Netflix for the duration. <laughs> uh, well, when I tweeted, um, you know, for for the episode where we learned that SG One was leaving Netflix, like the first sentence in the tweet was SG One is leaving Netflix! Exclamation point! Question mark! Explanation point! Question mark! So well, now it's going to have to be at <laughs> SG One <laughs> is not leaving Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I'll have to make note. That will have to be the first sentence of the tweet for this episode. Yes. <laughs> so, oh. Maybe you tweeted that and enough people revolted that they were like, Netflix, no. Don't no. do it. Please. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we've got it for another few weeks at least. And then who knows what will happen in a year, I guess. Yeah, theoretically. It could disappear tomorrow for all we know. Knock on wood. Hopefully it doesn't, but... We, we have it for now, so let's enjoy it while we can and Yay. get through the rest of the month. So, Woo-hoo. Yay. 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 And so speaking of holidays, this episode is Holiday, and it originally aired on February 5th, 1999. It was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and directed by David Worry Smith. And in this episode, when the SG-1 team stumbles upon the chamber of former Gould enemy Michello, they fall victim to his powerful body-swapping invention. I mean, every every sci-fi show has a body-swapping episode. At least one. And this is ours. So I do really like when they do that, though, because yeah. everyone gets to know some, you know, everyone else so well that when they have to play their different characters, they gener- generally do a really good job. Yeah. And it's interesting to see sort of like what that actor picks up as the thing for that character that, you know, they sort of clamp onto and, you know, vice versa. Like what aspect of the character does this actor feel more comfortable with kind of a thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
So this episode starts as the Stargate activates on an alien planet in a room of some kind and SG-1 steps through and the room is covered with like columns of sheer red drapery type fabric and behind each drapery is like a, a pedestal with some kind of technology on it, uh, although Tilk confirms it is not of Gould design. And Sam picks up a small handheld device that, fun fact, is a repurposed Apple Newton PDA from, like, back in the early 90s. <laughs> but once again, the team shows up on a planet that they don't know, and they just start touching everything. I know. They stop touching They stuff. haven't. They have not learned. Nope. Don't uh, just show up on a planet and start touching everything. Yep. Well, I mean, that is their purpose, you know, scout and stuff i forget oh, what is it i forget what mayborn said it was but yeah that's the purpose to go find stuff so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but so she picks it up and turns it on there's some sort of egyptian slash gold looking symbols on it and daniel like wonders out loud what's in one of the sort of it looks like there's almost like a little room cordoned off from the main room and daniel's like i wonder what's in there and some voice calls out i am in there and we see a very old and frail looking man come out from behind those draperies. And I have to say, like the old age makeup they did on Michael as Michello is just like so good. It's it outstanding. Is good. It's yeah. getting it's getting way better. Yeah. And so this episode was actually nominated for a Gemini Award for Best Achievement in Makeup by oh. uh, and it was uh, Adam Bear, David Dupuis, Jan Newman, and Monica Hubert or oh, Hubert. So well done makeup team because I mean when I remember when I first watched this it took me a while to be like oh my god that's Michael in there yeah so I mean it makes a lot of sense for what has to happen later in the episode but yeah sort of like initial watch is like wait a second is that who that's I think not it a is? real old man that's not a real old man that's just Michael Shanks and really good old age makeup so mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, so this old man, Tilk is certain, is named Michello. He is a fugitive from the system lord who was wanted for creating, like, anti-Gould technology. And he was eventually captured, and the system lords wanted to keep him as a host so they could retain all his knowledge. But before they could do the whole host thing, he escaped and killed several Jaffa on his way out. He, of course, denies being Michello. But Daniels tries to reassure him that, you know, he's safe because the SG-1 are not Gould. And he's like, of course we are not Gould. And then Daniel introduces himself and Michello basically just like parrots it back to him. Like, I am Daniel Jackson from Earth. Yes, I am Daniel Jackson from Earth. And Sam and then, is just kind of like, right. Yeah. Hmm, something's maybe not quite right here with this guy, but... Um, Sam interrupts and tries to sort of like redirect his attention by asking if the devices there are weapons to fight the Gould. And he's like, yes, weapons to fight the Gould. And Daniel's like, can you maybe show us how some of them work? And Michelle's like, yes, come with me. And he takes Daniel over to one of the devices after confirming once again that no, they are not Gould. Mm -hmm. And he pulls one of, you know, some of the sheer red draperies off the object. And it's, do you know who Canine is from Doctor Who, the little robotic dog? No. Oh, okay. Well, if anybody out there does, like, it kind of looks like Canine's body where it's, I guess, I guess sort of like a trapezoid shape. Like, it's not really like a box. And it kind of, like, narrows at the top. 
kind of trapezoidal shaped, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then, and there's like handles on both sides. So Michello grabs one set of handles and Daniel grabs the other. And there's a sound like some sort of like electrical charge, like a whoop. And Michello falls to the ground and Sam asks if Daniel is okay. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm fine. And then he turns to Michello and goes, are you okay, sir? Like kind of not concerned enough. Yeah. Um, But it appears that Michello is unconscious. Sam checks and he does have a pulse, but it's like kind of faint and not great. And Jack's like, all right, time to go. Sam, dial the gate, which interesting because it's always Daniel that dials the gate. Uh, And then Jack tells Tilks to grab the guy and off they go as we cut to the opening credits. So do you think, do do you find that interesting that they immediately are like oh man we got to get this guy back to our side of the gate instead of like what do we do to help because they never really (laughs) do that immediately yeah I guess a if he's an enemy of the ghoul that means he should be on SG1 side um also if he has inventions that can fight the ghoul they should probably try and help keep him alive as long as possible so they can he can maybe help earth so Yeah. I mean, it makes sense why they brought him back to me. So. Mm -hmm. So my question for you, though, at this point, did you know, like, what had happened and like what was going on with the whole, you know, when they grabbed the device thing, Daniel and Michello? Yeah, well, I, I didn't remember this episode, but as soon as as soon as Michael answered the way he did, I was like, aha. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They they were very good at at conveying that to those that were paying attention. Yes, I think so too. Mm-hmm. So back in the infirmary, we have um not Daniel uh, being looked at by Fraser. Like she comes back in with I guess his like you know the results from a blood screen or whatever, and everything looks normal. And he says he feels fine. And she's like, Are you sure? He's like, Yeah, I guess exhausted. Maybe if you want something wrong. She's like, Well, you were possibly electrocuted. I I guess they're working with the whole, there was some sort of electrocution thing that happened. And so that's kind of normal to be tired after being electrocuted. So he's free to go, but she doesn't want him driving. So he gets up to leave, but pauses to look at uh, not Michello in the bed. And we learn that he apparently has scar tissue all over his body, probably from being tortured. So like he's not in good shape and is probably actually not going to live for very much longer, unfortunately. Yeah, he's been through some stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So up in the briefing room, they're starting the mission miss, mission discussion. That's more difficult to say than I thought it would be. They're starting the mission, mission discussion. discussion without Daniel. And Sam has that handheld device with her. And she's telling Hammond that she thinks it's sort of like a computer of some kind with all of Michello's inventions on it. Like it has like blueprint looking images on it, but she can't read the dialect and was hoping either Tilk or Daniel could help. Tilk takes a look at it. He does not, not Daniel then comes in, lets them know he's okay, if a little tired. And Sam shows him the device and is like, can you read this? And he just goes, no, which is weird because usually our Daniel, even if he didn't recognize it was sort of Babylon, like it looks like this and maybe this is from there. And like, he doesn't just like say no. And, like, leave it at that. He usually has, even if I don't know what it is, it looks sort of like this other thing so I can start there with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely something's up. And Sam kind of gives him a look like that. Mm, Okay. Keep trying. 
And by the way, Nathaniel says that Fraser said he should go home to rest. So Hammond gives him like the rest of the day off. And we then cut to not Daniel being dropped off outside his apartment by an airman. And he kind of hesitates outside the door when a pretty woman exits and smiles at him. So he decides to turn and follow her down the street. <laughs> so question, how, how do you suppose he found out where Daniel lives? Well, I imagine since, you know, Fraser ordered him not to drive, Hammond was like, oh, this airman will drive you home. And they probably just have his address on file. I thought that would have been a funny conversation of like, yes, I will go home. Where? Where's my home? (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone want to come to my home and show me where it is? (laughs) Yeah, I just assumed, you know, all the airmen have access to, you know, everybody's home addresses for situations such as this, where somebody can maybe not drive themselves Mm -hmm. for some reason. Um, It's funnier in my head. I mean, it is amusing to imagine that version. As I bang my microphone, sorry. Um, yeah, it is it, it is funny to imagine the sort of the flip side of that conversation. Yeah, pretend to be like, where where do I live? Nope. Okay. Pretend uh, I have no idea where I live. <laughs> so back in the infirmary, Hammond is there with Dr. Fraser as the rest of SG-1 enter. And not Michello is very relieved to see Jack, Sam, and Tilk. And Jack's like, how, how does he know our name? So it turns out this is Daniel in Michello's body, not Michello. And they're like, um, are you sure? Probably because of the whole, yes, I am Daniel Jackson on the planet that happened earlier. So they like quiz him on a bunch of stuff. And he, of course, gets all the answers right because he's Daniel. And I always like when, you know, they ask him a lot of like true things, but then somebody always has to throw in like something that's not true. And so we learned the fact that Daniel doesn't have a sister and that even if he did, he wouldn't let Jack date her. So, <laughs> cute and funny. yeah. Okay. So if, if this is Daniel, then who went to Daniel's house? <laughs> That's a very good question. So we cut to not Daniel walking down the street and asking random people to teach him their customs and culture. And he runs into a homeless man and is like, why will no one talk to me? And this guy's like, because you're weird. You can't just walk up to people and ask them the questions you're asking them and like ask them for stuff. And not Daniel's like, well, you're doing that because, you know, if he was asking for money, as homeless people often do. And he's like, yeah, but and then not Daniel's like, oh, so you must be strange, too. And he's like, sure, I'm strange. Why not? That's totally fine with me. So not Daniel introduces himself as Machello and the other gentleman is Fred. And so Machello invites Fred to feast together on him. Yes, on him. So. They will feast on Michello. Do you, I was trying to figure out from that interaction, like if he actually knew what that meant or if he was just going along with it, like, yes, whatever that means, we'll do it. I think he's just going along with it. I don't, he has no idea what that means. Mm-hmm. He's just going along with it. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Feasting. However you want. I don't care. Yes. <laughs> So in the briefing room, we're getting a lowdown on sort of like what's happening in the infirmary. So physically, the person in the infirmary has the very old and frail body of Michello, but the consciousness and memories of Daniel Jackson. Dr. Fraser can't say how because that's not really her area of expertise, but somehow that alien device remapped all of Daniel's neural networks onto the brain of Michello. 
And Jack seems to think that it's possible that this is just like a copy of Daniel's brain and that it wasn't like a full swap. Like Daniel is still Daniel, but Daniel's also Michello, which I, I mean, you know, uh, points for optimism, but eh, I don't think mm. so. Then that would have been really awkward if you had two Daniels walking around, huh? Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that? I don't, I think that would have been harder to fix. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So Hammond then adds that Daniel's doorman said he never went inside after being dropped off, which how, how does he know that? Like, did Hammond call to check? Did they call Hammond? Did he try and call Daniel and like, he didn't pick up in his apartment. So he like called the front desk or something in the, like, I, I want to know how Hammond got that information. (laughs) I don't remember the scene cut. Do they actually have Daniel like getting out of a car Yeah, so they show Daniel getting out of the car, like, standing on the sidewalk, like, in front of the door, and then the doorman, like, opens the door as the woman exits, and then Daniel follows the woman instead of going inside. So maybe it was whoever was driving the car. Well, no, because Hammond says um, the Daniel's doorman said he never went inside after being dropped off, because the airman drove off before any of the other stuff happened. So I want to know how Hammond knows... (laughs) Daniel never like how did that how, oh, how did that thing, how did that conversation work who called who why did that call happen just I yeah I don't know I'm very confused by this little just this one sentence and it causes me oh. so much confusion that takes me to the place that they tried to call his house and nobody answered so then they called maybe like the the front desk doorman to Mm -hmm. see if they would check on him to be like, Hey, we dropped this guy off and he's not answering his phone and something weird happened at work. Can you make sure he's okay? And then the doorman would be like, well, I saw him coming down the street and then he went that away. Okay. That, I mean, I guess I can see that, but yeah, it's still, it's still weird. It is weird. (laughs) It's very TV. Like, you know how they always have in, um, in like the cop shows where they go and interview the bar, the guy at the bar who mysteriously remembers every single customer. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, she came in, talked to this other guy, only talked to each other about five minutes before they both left. And it's like <laughs> on a Friday night, you somehow remember this. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, all right. So let's go, let's go pick him up. Let's go find him. Let's pick him up. Let's get him back here. And Basically, so they still need to prepare for the worst, which I guess the worst would be Michello's body dying before they can get Daniel's body back and they can undo the whole thing. And then Jack is like, well, wouldn't the easiest thing be to, like, go get that device and bring it back here so that we have it and can do the whole swappy thing when we get Daniel's body with Michello's brain in it back? And Hammond's like, yes, good idea. Go get it. But, you know, make sure you treat it as, like, very, like, like hazmatic. What's the word? What did he say? It's ah uh, crap. I didn't write it down. Hang on. Let me see if I can find it. Um, hazardous. That's what I was looking for. Considered, consider it hazardous material. Mm. So yes, that's what's happening. Back on Michello's planet, SG-1 come through in like full hazmat gear and Sam goes to check out Michello's room, like where he was when we came through while Tilk and Jack prepare to pick up the device. And they have these large plastic, definitely plastic, like handle covers to put over the device's handles to hopefully negate the possible body swapping effects of it. 
And so they get the handles on and they're about to pick it up when Sam calls out and Jack like jerks back like some it was some kind of warning. She's like, oh, no, sorry. It just looks like there's some really sort of specialized medical equipment, which is probably how Michello was able to like live for so long. And they're like, great, can we like bring it back to Earth to help keep Daniel alive? And Sam's like, I, I don't know if I could even get it working again if I disconnect it. Okay, okay. so interesting, but not particularly useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so body switching machine it is. Great. So on three, one, two, three, Tilk and Jack grab their plastic handles and we hear that strange noise again and Tilk looks very surprised. As we cut back to the SGC of SG-1 exiting the wormhole and Hammond asks how it went. And well, Jack and Tilk have switched bodies now, so not super great. It did not go well. In all its hilarity. Yes. And I, I have to say, bravo to Christopher Judge for playing Jack in this because he does it so well. I he fully, does. I fully believe that that is Jack O'Neill and Christopher Judge's body. 100%. Yeah. He definitely does a way better job of playing Jack than, than Jack Richard does. Dean Anderson does of playing Tilk. Yeah. yeah. Which he was kind of robotic. Yeah, I saw that pop up a lot in some of the forums of, like, discussions of this episode, and a lot of people seem to think a lot of it has to do with, like, Christopher Judge's voice, how it's a lot deeper naturally than Richard Dean Anderson's is, and there's some just sort of vocal quality that Richard Dean Anderson just doesn't quite have to pull off that that more stoic kind of speech that Tilk has, but... I, I do think Richard Dean Anderson played it a little too flat because while Tilk is very serious and stoic, he's not very sort of monotone as RDA seemed to do it. Yeah, he he really did play it kind of like he does when he's playing an alien or, you know, like he, he basically yeah. played his alien persona. Yeah, like the blue crystal alien. A lot of people yeah. referenced it just seemed like that kind of thing and not really yeah. Tilk. Yeah. So they're now in one of the labs and Jack and Tilk are really not having an awesome time in their new bodies. And they haven't found Michello yet, but Sam's there and she's like, so, I mean, you guys having swapped bodies is actually kind of like good news because now I can use you to experiment with this machine. So when we do find Michello and Daniel's body, we'll know what to do and we can get it done like really quick. So they start experimenting with, like, grabbing the handles. Like, maybe there's an in and an out. Maybe it depends on who grabs the handles first. But, like, nothing happens. They're still – Jack is in Tilk. Tilk is in Jack. And, yeah, they're, they they seem to be stuck like that for now. So mm, – Unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. So some time has passed. And, okay, I've, I, I've debated greatly how to refer to the people when they're in the other bodies. So – this is this is how I'm doing it. So Jack Tilk is not doing great. So this is Jack in Tilk's body is Jack Tilk. Mm-hmm. Not doing great. He He's looking kind of sick and he tells Tilk Jack what's going on. And so Tilk Jack believes that he has contracted an illness that the symbiote needs to heal, but that can only be done in a state of Kelnoreem, which is the first time this Jaffa term has come up in the series. It's like a meditation, but like a lot, deeper like not quite hibernation but kind of like somewhere between meditation and hibernation like a very very deep waking sleep kind of thing so basically if jack tilk doesn't do this the symbiote won't be able to heal the illness and that would be very bad 
obviously. That would be very bad. Be very bad. So Tilk Jack takes Jack Tilk to his room and tries to teach him how to meditate. And we then get a quick cut to Michello and Fred in a diner. And Michello tells the waitress that everyone will feast on him. Everyone. Yay. Not that everyone. And she's like, are you celebrating something? He's like, yes, life. It's like, awesome. I'm going to need a credit card. What's a credit card? She's like, it's probably in your wallet. So he reaches into a pocket, finds a finds his wallet and hands it to the waitress. And is like, Kit, well, does anything in here work? And she like takes the gold card, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Michello then tries to hit on her, but she's just like, you know, that that's nice, but no. <laughs> I love what she says though. Her comeback is awesome. <laughs> what did I didn't write it down, but yes, it's it is. He, you said like you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I would be honored with a kiss, and she just smiles and she's like, I bet you would, and she just leaves. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I bet you would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she was great. Yeah. Uh, uh, so we get another quick scene of the them attempting to do the whole meditation thing, and it seems like they are finally starting to get somewhere. And back in the infirmary, uh, Daniel Michello is attempting to help Sam with the translating of Michello's tablet, but he's just, like, not getting anywhere. We do know it's a mixture of ancient Latin and Greek, but there's, like, no sentence structure and, like, nothing makes sense. And he just kind of fades out as medical alarms start going off. And Dr. Fraser comes to check on him, and uh, he, he's in a coma. Not good. So, not good. No. Less nope. good. Yes. So back in the diner, they've apparently reached the dessert portion of the meal, and Michello Daniel is about to get his first taste of a hot fudge sundae. And uh, Fred thinks he might have been in the Gulf, and he's like, no, but I did fight in many battles, and he lost so much, but he did it all, like, for us, for people like those people on Earth. And he, like, saved us all from being conquered. And he's like, oh, Saddam was going to conquer us. And, well, he doesn't know any system lord named Saddam, but someone would have done it. But anyway, he doesn't want to fight anymore. As he says, from now on, I only want to eat hamburgers and french fries and ice cream sundaes. And I want to be with good people like you, Fred. Which is very sweet. Yay. When do you think the hot fudge sundae was invented? Oh, this is one of the things you looked up. It's like it's like the only thing I looked up, and there there wasn't a lot of stuff to look up this week, so I, I went with the hot fudge Sunday because why not? Oh, hot fudge Sunday. Mm, I mean, that's going like way back. I'm going 30s. It's even earlier than that. Really? Yes, it was invented in 1906 Ooh. by Clarence Clifton Brown. So Clarence owned C.C. Brown's ice cream shop in Los Angeles, California. He had an idea to create a topping that would like slowly melt the cold ice cream. And he apparently experimented for two months before he finally figured out the right recipe for hot fudge. He served it in those like fluted glasses that would allow the melted ice cream and the hot fudge like drip down the sides of the glass. So apparently he like wanted it to be messy Hmm. on purpose, which is interesting. And it was like a huge hit and it was served and remained very popular in that shop until it closed in 1996. <gasps> no, it finally closed. That's so yeah. sad. Yeah. It made that long. Yeah. Aww. So, I mean, and it was open for a time, like just 1906 was when the hot food Sunday was invented. So I'm not sure how long the shop was open before that, but uh, mm. for a while, probably. So, yeah. 
So there you like go. That's Starbucks that's Sunday. I hope that shop isn't like a Starbucks now. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I hope some other little mom and top, mom and pop shop bought it, mm-hmm. made it something. That'd be nice. Yep. So, yep. <sighs> well, anyway, all good things must come to an end. And Michelle's like, oh no, only bad things must end. Good things can go on forever. I mean, sure. Yeah, Sounds sure. good, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. So back in Tilk's quarters, it seems like the meditation was successful. And luckily, Jack Tilk comes to just as Tilk Jack is about to shave his head. And he's like, oh, oh, no, don't, don't, no, don't do that. This is only temporary. We're going to fix it. Don't touch the hair. Don't. So he never really explains why he has to shave his head, though. It seems to be some kind of Jaffa thing. Although, like, Braytag has hair. And other Jaffa have hair. So I uh, I don't know. But he's also no longer a Jaffa. Yeah. Which, I mean, he does get hair much later. Like, it's season nine? Yeah. I think they let Christopher Judge have hair. <laughs> but anyway. But yeah. Um, so Jack Tilk goes to see Hammond and requests to join in search for Michello. And Hammond's like, that might not be necessary because Daniel's credit card was just used at a diner in town. And he's like, great. Let me go and get him. And Hammond's like, denied, because you're not exactly yourself right now. So we can't really let you out of the mountain looking like this, even though Tilk has been out of the mountain before, and they just give him a hat, and it's fine. So Yeah, yeah I didn't really understand that one. I didn't really get it either. Um, but they're going to get him. They know where he is. It'll be fine. Just wait. We'll fix it. So outside the diner, Michello thanks Fred for his company and asks how he would go about courting a wife. And, you know, time and stuff and that money. Those credit cards thing you got in your wallet, those. Make sure you use those. Basically very stereotypical. (laughs) Chicks dig cars and money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And just as Michello is about to leave, uh, two cops walk up on the sidewalk and, you know, are like, freeze, don't move. And Michello immediately insists that he won't go back. He says, quote unquote, it is impossible. And Fred is just like, just do what they say, man, as he like puts his hands up. And Michello turns to run, but a cop car comes like screeching up the street and just he runs into that and gets handcuffed taken away and fred was right all good things do come to an end oh sad dang it he didn't even make it a day no but he gotta have a hot fudge sunday so he did (laughs) so in the infirmary sam is standing watch over daniel when he finally wakes up and is glad to know that sam doesn't like him just for his looks which is very aw yeah so Dr. Frazier then comes in and lets them know that Michello's being brought in. So they should go and like get the machine ready and set up. And we cut to Michello then being escorted into the infirmary and being ordered to undo what has been done. But he cannot do what is impossible. And he's like, and Hammond's like, so you won't do it. He's like, I can't do it. So it's not what this is not a won't situation. This is a can't situation. Mm-hmm. So... Michello is now in the brig and Sam and Hammond enter and Sam is holding the device from earlier, the little tablet thing. And Michello begins to like negotiate for better accommodations, basically. And he, he does apologize for what happened with Jack and Tilk. And he says, you know, he'll teach Sam the code for his little tablet thing. And in exchange, he gets his freedom. 
and the information on the tablet will guarantee their defeat of the Gould. Is that really worth the life of one archaeologist? And oh, that, no, he did not mm. just say that. Hammond and Sam are no, like, oh, no, 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 mm, no. And Sam's like, I want you to get to know your casualty. Yes. That's just, that's a really good line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Sam takes Michello to go talk to Daniel and Basically, Michello feels like he's owed a life for all that has been, like, taken from him. Like, his whole planet of two billion people were wiped out because they wouldn't give him up to the Gould. And then he was betrayed by his wife, who was turned into a Gould. And Daniel's like, I know what that's like. They took my wife, too. But she's still out there. I can still save her. And Michello tries to argue that Daniel would have done the same thing in his shoes. And Daniel's like, I would not because that would make me no better than a Gould. And he tells Michello, you're a ghoul. You've taken my body as a host. I'm just a host to you. You're a ghoul. And Michello's like, I am not a ghoul. He hates the ghoul. And then goes on to insist that, like, Daniel will never find his wife. And he's like, yes, I will. I will find her. And then he goes into V-fib. And Frazier comes in and starts chest compressions and orders the paddles to be charged. But hold on, there's a pulse. So... That was, that was close, but we got him back. That's a really intense conversation between Daniel and Michello, which is it's between Michael and Michael, which is really <laughs> interesting. Like, I always want to know, like, how they do that. Like, who, like, is the stand-in? Like, what is the stand-in doing? Are they just reading lines or are they trying to act it too? I just, whenever people have to play opposite themselves, I'm always really interested to know just, like, what was that process like for that actor? Because I know everybody does it a little different and stuff, but it's like, how how do they do that? Because it's so good. Yeah, that's a very interesting point of how they would have preferred to to get into it. Yeah. So do you think Daniel's right? Do you think Michello is no better than a Gould at this point? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Because Because he did it to someone who was unwilling and unknowing. Yeah. If if he would have, you know, told them here's the situation, you know, asked for, I don't know why somebody would volunteer, but at least like, at least had somebody who was aware of this and like yeah. making the sacrifice or what, that would have been different. But yeah, he he totally just bamboozled yeah. the body. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so. Michello sees, like, what's happened and the fact that, like, Daniel's, like, dying, basically. And he says to Sam, if I could trade places with him again, I would. But unfortunately, I am the only one who cannot. And Sam's like, wait a minute. You're the only one who can't? We need Jack and Dilkin here, like, now. So, it's time to play everybody's favorite game, Body Roulette! Let's welcome our contestants to the stage. (laughs) So... Basically, everything Michello has said up to this point is truth, but like sort of little, like little have truths. So like earlier he had mentioned that like the transfers are encoded, so they can't just be like just straight undone. So you can't just like sort of keep switching back and forth from the same two bodies forever and ever. But that doesn't mean you can't swap with another body. So now begins the game swapping between all four of them of Michello, Daniel, Jack, and Tilk until the right people are back in the right bodies. Sam so. figured that out pretty quickly of who needs to swap with who in what order. I, I know. I'm like, I, I did see she had like paper down. So I wonder how many like iterations she went through 
before mm-hmm. she got to that one. So, okay. So let's talk through what we got. So first up, we have Michelle O'Daniel and Jack Tilk. So they swap, which gives us Jack in Daniel's body and Michello in Tilk's body. So then we have Daniel Michello and Tilk Jack, and they swap, giving us Daniel in Jack's body and Tilk in Michello's body, which for some reason Daniel thinks everything was just a dream as soon as he sort of like comes out of Michello's body, which is weird. But then Jack Daniel calls him over and goes, Danny boy, and like sort of beckons him with that finger, which this is a scene that launched a thousand fix, let me just say. Like, <laughs> this is one of those classic Jack Daniel scenes, and we love it so much. So, just, you know, oh, Danny boy. He's like, what? Yeah. Jack? Yes. So then we have the Tilks and Michellos swapping. So before they do the swap, uh, Michello Tilk wishes he had time to teach Sam the symbols. And she's like, it's fine, I'll figure it out. Just swap bodies now. Get back where you belong. So we now have Tilk and Michello back in their proper bodies. And then finally we have Jack and Daniel up and they swap. And finally... Everybody is back in the body that they belong in. And Jack is very happy and is still flabbergasted that Tilk was about to shave his head. And Michello is sort of briefly conscious and Daniel turns to him and Michello simply says, thank you for my holiday before he passes, which I think this is the first time in a long time we've had the title of the episode, like in the dialogue of the episode, at least yeah. as far as just like, you know, the Tok'ra, whatever. Yeah. Um, but um, everybody actually like, actually looks kind of sad. And then Hammond says, welcome back, SG-1. Aww. The end. Aww. Yes. So my question, the question I still have for this episode is, so given that all of the stuff that Michello invented was to fight the Gould, what purpose does a body switching machine have in that? Would it be just to like sort of like prolong his life so he can keep doing the inventing and fighting the ghoul thing? I I'm I'm having trouble trying to figure out like what the actual purpose that has in the fight against the ghoul. I figured that it was purely a disguise device for him to keep going undetected because I think at some point he says you know you've you've switched my face so I don't have to worry about that anymore yeah so I I figured that's what it was for do you think it could ever be used as like sabotage like he could like kidnap a Jaffa or something and like switch bodies and like go undercover and like try and like undermine a system lord or like blow up a ship or something well, or maybe know, maybe not a Jaffa, but had to, like a little yeah. priest or something. Yeah, I was gonna say he had to make sure that it, that none of them were ghouls. Yeah. Or I don't I don't know how that would work with multiple being swapping. No, it did work with Tilk though. So yeah. Yeah. So maybe it would work with the Jaffa. Yeah. Go undercover. Yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What other characters would you have liked to see in, like, swap bodies in this episode if we had to, like, bring in, like, more people to, like, make the whole thing at the end work or something? <laughs> um, well, 
it would have been fun to have somebody swap with Sam, but being that this took place in the nineties, if you had like a man and a woman swap, you know, they would have been oh. like looking down each other's pants or like, yeah, <laughs> some sort of like gag of like, I got boobs now, or, you know, some, something nineties inappropriate where you'd just be like, Ugh, yeah. fine. but <laughs> like, what, if they had to get Hammond in there, who would you like to see like Hammond switch with or something? No. <laughs> um, I think Hammond and Daniel would have been fun. Oh yeah, that could have been that would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have Daniel sitting behind the desk on the red phone, <laughs> <laughs> trying to call the president. He's like, I know I don't sound like yeah. myself, sir, but here's what's going on. Because you know, if Jack would have switched with Hammond. He just would have been all kinds of sassy of like, you're all under my command now, like yeah. making whatever kind of <laughs> jokes, but. Yep. Uh, yeah. Sam and Fraser could have been funny. And that could have been good. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yes. Right. Any memos besides don't touch stuff? Oh my God. Stop touching things. <laughs> but I do want to. Okay. So, but like, even with those like insulating handles, like they still like how how does that work? Because they weren't touching the handles and they still swapped. I don't know. Just, That's weird. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just have one person transport it at once the whole time. Yeah. Or not. Do you do you think they need to have both hands on it? Oh, that's an I don't know. Because when they do at the end when like Michelle's body is unconscious, both of his hands are on the same handle, but it is two hands, but it is only one handle. So I don't know. Mm. Mm. I like it, but yeah, memo, stop touching things. Once again, <laughs> once again, the quarantine when they get back is not effective. I know. Catch the fact Luckily, that again, they brought aliens back in human bodies. I mean, at least this time it's not like an infectious disease kind of thing situation. It is yeah. contained to just a body, but still. But you think they would have started some sort of protocol after multiple times having like aliens come back looking like humans that by now they would have had a list of questions of like, when I come back, ask me these password questions. Yeah. What is the address for Earth? Yeah. 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 You know that I am me. Yes. You know, to log into my bank, I have to answer three secret questions. How does that not happen at the SGC? I don't know. Oh, anyway. I I had one final question for you, though. Yeah. If you were to swap bodies (gasps) with somebody, who would you swap bodies with? In my real life or on the show? Like, if I was a character in the show? Um... Whichever, well, it'd probably take a while to do real life. So I guess on the show would be faster. Um, oh, um, I would like to swap with Daniel so I can be on the SG team and go off world because that would be fun. What about you? Um, I would probably swap with the Simmons that does the gate travel now, just like push all the computer buttons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like sit in front of the computer and push all the computer buttons. Control the iris. You control yep. everything. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's what I would do. Okay. 
Um, all right, episode title. So that one actually came up again in the episode this week. Um, I did find some interesting ones for uh, foreign territories. Mm-hmm. Um, French was just transfer, which is transfers. Uh, the German one is, I will not attempt to pronounce because I cannot speak German, but the English translation of the German title is soul hiking. Oh. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Hmm. Yes. Um, Italian is inversione di corpi, which is just body switch. And then the Hungarian and Russian titles both translate to day off. So. Yeah. There we go. Well, the ones that are entitled Body Swapping, that kind of gives away the surprise. I it? know. It's like, well, that's just... Although soul, soul hiking, I like. That is fun. Because, I like that yeah. term. Because I think that one doesn't really give it away. Like, there could be, if there, I think, a few different things that that could apply to. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, final thoughts. Yay, nay, good, bad, yes. Like Jay, good. Okay. It was it was cute, but it wasn't cheesy. Yes, I would so agree. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody out there for listening. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore Rewatch or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G Rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Serpent's Song. Bye.